Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean into the topic that God is bringing up today on one of my very favorite topics, overcoming fear. Stick around until the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to share the exciting news that my husband and I launched a new podcast for our clinic called The Blessed Body Podcast. We talk all things health over there, so be sure to find it, subscribe, and of course, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Today's guest is Katie McCowan. Katie is president of She Laughs Ministries, a writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries, and a national speaker. Through all life's uncertainties and surprises, Katie has learned some things about living sure, even when the future is not. She and her husband, Luke, a former NFL quarterback, are raising six children on their ranch in Texas. This was a fun and inspiring conversation, so let's welcome Katie to the show. Well, hello, Katie, and welcome to the show. Hi, Rachel. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, Okay, so in the beginning, I read your bio, and then I like to ask my guests, what's maybe one fun fact we didn't read in your professional bio? Oh, wow. Okay, you know what? Fun fact, I have a twin. You know, I guess back when we were born all those years ago, they didn't have the technology they have now. So we can't say for sure if we're identical twins, but we look identical. You would think we were identical twins. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Is she your, you said a girl, right? Yes. Yeah. Obviously you look, Rachel, what's wrong with me? I need some (laughs) extra sleep right now or something. (laughs) We look like identical twins. Um, Is that your only sibling? (laughs) Only sibling. We were the first and the last. (laughs) Nice. I love that. Yeah. I've always thought that with moms who have twins, I'm like, I don't know how, I mean, you do it, I guess. Right. You know, so. (laughs) And I've always thought if you're going to have twins, better to have them first than last because you don't know what you're getting into. (laughs) Of course, I have friends who had the twins last, but um, um, for my mom, we were the, you know, she didn't know she, she just had twins and away we went and she figured it out along the way, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun now because we don't live in the same city. And so, I mean, it's been normal for us our whole lives. We've been twins, but then when she comes to visit people here, don't, they don't realize either they don't realize I have a twin or they are sure not expecting to see her. And so we have successfully weirded a whole lot of people out because they get all, (laughs) there's two of you. It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. I have a sibling. I'm the youngest of five kids, but um, my sibling that's just above me, three and a half years older than me, people think we're twins often. She's basically the blonde version of me. And so when she's in town, they're like, wait, you have a twin? I'm like, no, we're just, she's, she's older, but yeah. So (laughs) look that much alike. Yes, yeah, I have some I have some children like that too. Yeah. Okay, so you have a lot of kids, don't you? Yes, we have six kids, which I know it does. It sounds like a lot. I mean, we're used to it by now. Our oldest is 15, our youngest is seven, which wow. is crazy. I still cannot believe my baby is seven. I keep wanting to say she's six because it just seems like seven is so old, but yes, we have six children. And, um, that was not, I mean, we didn't get married and say, we want to have six kids, but it's what God gave us. And so we're doing all of the, 
you know, dance and basketball and just the life of, of having a lot of active and wonderful experiences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're in that season too. We don't have six, but we have three and my oldest is 14. And it's interesting because, you know, when they're in diapers, you think, oh, when they get older, I'll have more time and all this. And it's like, um, no, I'm basically a chauffeur to all the things, you know, like it's crazy. <laughs> you're, you're doing the same thing because the oldest isn't driving yet. Yeah. And so I, what I'm hearing right now from other people is, oh, just hang on because your children are about to start driving and you're going to enter an entirely new season of life when you have people that can take themselves places <laughs> or you can even send a sibling with them. And so I would, so that is, that is on the horizon for us right now. We're about to start, which on the one hand, it's like, wow, that sounds really exciting. And then the, uh, on the other hand, you're like, okay, these people are going to be driving. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and so as a mama, I'm thinking I'm probably going to pray more and more and more as each one of these people start driving. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I feel the exact same way as I think about my daughter driving. I'm like, yay. Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So fun times. Well, I really just wanted the listeners to hear a little about you and to see how real life this is for you, because um, whenever I interview authors, I always love to um, kind of just see where the heart for their book came from. So this is your first book you've written, right? It is. She Smiles Without Fear. And it, you know, what I love about it is that, so it, you know, it's a Bible study, but um, I like to call it a hybrid because it is super rich in Bible teaching. But I also, as I was writing it, I wanted it to be really approachable. And um, because as a mother of six, with all of the things going on with the kids, and I don't live in a world where I have this regular routine, every single day is the same. It's always kind of constantly changing and adjusting and you have to be flexible, you know, a rubber band comes to mind and all of that. And so um, I wanted the time that we spent in the Bible not to feel heavy and not to feel like I need to block off two hours so that I can wrap my mind around this. So it is a Bible study, but it reads a lot like a book. And so I, I just kind of call it a hybrid. Yeah. And it has videos with it, right? does. Yes. And so that's the other bonus. Like if you really just have time for the 15 minute video, you can get that in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. While well, you're doing maybe getting breakfast together or something or, you know, right. whatever. Laundry, folding laundry, multitasking. We, we exactly. do that well, don't we? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that. I'm all about these kinds of um, resources because I personally feel like the more involvement we have in the process, like I noticed, you know, I, I have a copy of it. It's beautiful, by the way. And when there's space to write and things like that, it's like it engages us into it. So now we feel like part of it. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just love that process myself. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because I, I really do like to think of it like a workbook, like a resource that you participate in mm -hmm. instead of just something you read and then forget. Because if you're like me, you read and then you forget. But yeah. if you participate, you're more likely to remember and absorb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, in this study, you walk readers through five steps that where they can trade their fear of the future for purpose in the present. I love that so much. Um, do you want to talk to us a bit about those five steps? I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go into them or just share what they are. 
Right. So, you know, you asked a, a little bit ago, you said you like to know kind of about the process that went into the Bible study. And so what the five steps, like where they came from was really a process that God took me through. I mean, it's been probably six or seven years ago, and it was just a time that I became aware of how my fears of the future, my what ifs, what if this happens? What if, you know, a lot of it surrounded my children and the future that that they may experience all of things that were completely out of my control and, and all of them that truly were what ifs, they weren't grounded in any absolute truth or certainty. But what I found is I was so smothered by those things that I, I was truly losing the present. I was unable to engage in what was happening right in front of me. I, one of the things that I talk about, even in the introduction of the study, is the afternoon in my yard with my six little ones, and they were playing on a slip and slide. And it was an absolutely beautiful day. I mean, the way I remember it, it wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cool. Like the wind was blowing through the trees. I mean, just this beautiful summer afternoon, my kids were playing and giggling and we were just having such a special time. Yet I seriously was standing in the yard with tears welled up in my eyes because of the place that I had gone in my head. I was so afraid of what might be in the future, but wasn't guaranteed to be that I was missing the beauty of the present. And that moment set off months of in my life of seeking the Lord and, and finding a way not to live like that anymore. That was the moment that I said, this is enough. I am losing my life because I'm so afraid of what might of the future. And, um, you know, another thing that I write is that I realized in that moment or through the next few months that I can't change the future, but the fear of the future can change me. And I just didn't want to live like that anymore. So the steps that you get are really just the things that God has walked me through and I can run through them really quickly. I think, I mean, you know, each step in the process, we devote an entire week to in the Bible study. So there's much to say about all of it, but the first step to smile without fear is to spend less time doing and more time being with Jesus. The second step is to smile without fear. I need to exchange the fear of the future for the fear of the Lord. Number three is to smile without fear of the future. I need to rely on my savior instead of myself. Um, to Number four, to smile without fear, I need to pursue love. And number five, to smile without fear of the future, I need to live faithful today. Mm, those are so powerful. Yeah, you're right. We could spend an hour on each of those and then still not have covered everything. So um, you said a quote a second ago that bears repeating, and you said, I can't change the future, but the fear of the future can change me. Wow, that's a powerful statement, I think, especially for the day and age in which we're all living. You know, I think that's the interesting thing about this whole pandemic and all that we're the times in which we're living is. I feel like in the past, whenever we went through traumatic type experiences, a lot of times it was just solo, right? Like, you know, you, lo you, you went through it alone because 
you know, loss of a loved one or loss of a job or something. And so the whole world couldn't understand what you're going through. We live in an interesting time where we actually all, to an extent, understand what each other's going through. Obviously not in intricate details. Everybody's lives are different still yet. But we all do have a common theme that we all could sit and totally fear the future, fear the future of our nation, fear the future of our healthcare, you know, all the things. And so that was so, so powerful. So how can we even just today, practically speaking, go, okay, just like you had that day in your yard where you're like, I'm done with this. This is, it's robbing me of my right now. I can't change what's coming, but I can't, it, I don't want it to rob my joy currently right now. So there's kind of, to me, there's two places to start. And the first place is, is really that first step, spend less time doing and more time being with Jesus. And that, when I go back, that was the number one thing it was, okay, so full disclosure, I am not a morning person, never been a morning person. I have six kids and I'm still not a morning person. Same sister. I get up <laughs> in the morning, but I'd rather not. <laughs> and, um, and I have some children that are repeating that pattern. <laughs> so that's always fun. But What I realized is that if I did not prioritize my time to be with Jesus, then the rest of my day would flow from a place of burden and fear. Mm. And so I did. I started getting up even just 30 minutes before the kids. Um, And honestly, some I we have. It's so funny. We have a picture from this year, this this very year that I'm talking about, where the episode in the yard happened and this process began. And I'm awake sort of. I'm on the couch laying down and the cat is laying like on top of me. And my husband snapped a picture before he went to work. But the point was I got up and I got there. You know, I got to that spot on the couch. And even though I didn't do it perfect every time, I committed to making that a priority. And so I would say, start with being with Jesus. Start with whether that is um, on, you know, in the car on the way to work, it's five minutes of prayer instead of five minutes of talk radio, um, or even your favorite podcast. Maybe it's just five minutes of quiet time with Jesus. Um, whether that's setting your alarm five minutes early and, and just starting with five minutes, I've gotten to where I don't get out of bed and I try to wake up, lift my head off of the pillow and then bow my head and pray even just for a minute or two. And I start with sometimes as simple as Lord, I give you this day. And just even speaking the truth, you are in control over this day. You have already been there. Nothing today will surprise you. And when we start with that truth, that absolute truth of who's in charge, and we start beginning our day with just placing our thoughts there. That's just a really good place to start and spend less time doing. So it's going to require us to stop, stop our thoughts that want to just run ahead. And what if, what if, what if, and and even stop our hands that want to just stay busy. And maybe we feel like we're in more control if we are busy. Then the other thing that I always like to tell people is it sometimes is as simple as when we have those moments and we recognize that thought pattern that the things that we're afraid of. I mean, it's real. It's not like we're going to um, find ourselves in a place where we're just never going to be afraid again. That's not, I mean, that's really kind of why we're here. That's really the purpose of the Bible study is that we will face fears of the future. And, you know, we acknowledge that 
there's always going to be something to fear on this side of heaven. And, and if anything, right now, the things to fear seem to be growing exponentially by the minute. So it's not like we're going to try to create this environment where fear does not exist. It's that we're going to learn what to do about it. And so one of the other things that I like to say is that when you recognize that fear in your heart, in your mind, in your circumstances, to um, train ourselves to begin with three words, God, I'm scared. Turn to him and cry out to him and be honest. God, I'm scared. Tell him your fears instead of just churning over them in your heart and your mind over and over again. And there's something really, you know, the Bible says, uh, God says, cast your cares on him because he cares for us. So it's almost the practice of casting those fears on him and, and taking them off of our own shoulders and, and giving him that fear to carry and, and relying on him. Yeah. I love your points, um, especially that point about less time doing and more time being. You know, I've heard it said before that we're human beings, not human doings. Yet for some reason, we focus so much on all the things we do. We make to-do lists. We, you know, we ask each other, what do you do for a living? Like we're all so obsessed with the doing piece. So I even feel like that being part is like throughout our just day and everything about it. And I love that we're having this conversation because we're just highlighting the importance of it. Like without it, we're going to just suffer and and fall. And there's no reason for that. Right. (laughs) Right. And so one of the things that I tell about in that very first, because that's the first week of the Bible study. And so I had this friend, I was in a Bible study. My husband played NFL football for 13 years. And everywhere we went, um, we would either start um, a Bible study or join a team Bible study. And so this one year there was um, the women's Bible study for the players, wives and girlfriends. And I went and um, that year, the the chaplain's wife who was leading it, she's just still a dear friend of mine, but she challenged us in the Bible study to be still. And so it's so funny because even the being piece of it, we like to do while we're being like, <laughs> what am I going to do while I'm being with Jesus? And so we like to have our Bible reading plan, which is all very good things. I mean, but, but what she was even challenging us to do is be with Jesus without doing anything. So don't be with Jesus and read your Bible or talk, just be still and quiet with Jesus. And I resisted her prompting so bad because I was like, this is so ridiculous. I am not just going to sit here. Nobody just sits here. But what she would do is she would turn on a worship song that was focused on who God is. You know, there's a lot of worship songs and sometimes the worship songs can be about us, you know, they can. (laughs) And so she was really intentional with the worship song that she would choose. And she would turn that song on and she would say, your goal is to be completely quiet in your body and in your mind. Like you're not making your grocery list. You're not thinking about what you're going to do after this. You're not even cataloging your list of prayer requests right now. Your goal is to truly be still and quiet in your mind and in your body and focus on God and who he is. And, and she would say, if you can't do that, which is normal because we don't practice it. So it's hard to do. And, um, she said, then just let your mind focus on the words of the song. 
And, um, and she would have us do that at the end of every Bible study every week. And I was, I mean, it took me weeks and weeks of lamenting that we had to do this. And I was, I would tell her, Aisha, oh, why do you make us do this? You know, but that has been something that has stayed with me since that year. And that I continue to do because when we truly become quiet before the Lord, we can receive from him in ways that we, we can't when we're fitting it in and we're more focused on what we're doing than just sitting and being with him. And so it even takes being with Jesus to a deeper level. And I like how you said it, Rachel. It's not even like we just do that in the morning and then we go on. We can kind of weave that into our day. And we tend to have, if we have those quiet moments in our day, we try to fill them, like fill them with some sort of a noise or some sort of an action. And so maybe that can just be a prompting when you have that lull of a moment, that can be a moment that you use to be with Jesus. What a gift that she gave you to just activate that practice in you. And like you said, you know, I I hope that that activates some people listening. And then, of course, when they go through your study as well, that to just lean into that, like lean into those uncomfortable places. You know, I think sometimes we resist the uncomfortable because we're like, well, this feels weird and this feels awkward. And yeah, okay, it's going to. And that's okay. That's where you grow is in those uncomfortable places. (laughs) And it is. It feels so awkward. (laughs) I mean, I'm exhibit A in that. And, And here's the thing. If you commit to try it, you're probably going to start making your grocery list after about the first 30 seconds. It's not like you just do it one day. You know, it's something that you keep doing and you find that you get better at it the more you participate in it, the more you practice. Today's episode is brought to you by my most downloaded resource called Three Action Steps to Overcome Fear and Pursue Your God-Given Dreams. Inside this free training, I give you access to the exact three steps I take when fear is looking me in the face and holding me back from moving forward towards my dreams. It also includes the one tool I use on a daily basis to keep a sound mind, and it comes in a beautiful, nine-page PDF workbook with detailed instructions on how to silence your fears. To download, head to rachelgilbert.com forward slash overcome fear. So let's talk a little bit about, and you might have already touched on this. You have a prayer process you use. Did you already start touching on that a bit or? Well, no, I mean, I guess I did a little bit. It kind of goes hand in hand, but it honestly, again, this is just something that God taught me that is so, it has changed um, the way that prayer blesses me um, and, and the way that it, I feel like becomes what, what God intended it to be. And so I think the thing is that sometimes we go to God in prayer because we know the Bible says, uh, present all your requests to God, bring your requests to him. And, and so we do that. But um, if you're like me, a lot of times that's where you begin, you begin with, Oh, I need to pray. And then you just start talking to God about what you need or what is burdening you and the people that you love who are sick or the people that you care about who are suffering. And, and that's where we begin and that's where we end. And then we get up from our prayer and, and nothing feels any different. The burden remains the same. And so 
um, you know, what I've learned about prayer and this process that I talk about is that you begin your prayer with praise. I call it praise, but in my head, it's spelled pray, P-R-A-Y-S-E. It's you praise. And so you're praying, but you're praising. And it kind of goes back to some of the things that I've said where, you know, I told you a lot of times I try to start every morning with just who God is in speaking, not necessarily verbally, but in my heart, in my mind, just reminding myself who God is. And so, you know, and even Jesus modeled this when his disciples said, how do we pray? And he started with our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's all about who you are. And so when we begin our prayers, even if what drives us to prayer you know, you you all you get those text messages about the person who you just found out is very sick in the hospital, or you get those text messages about the child that wandered into something that you hoped they never would. You you know, you get the urgent Facebook posts or or phone calls or text messages, and so a lot of times that's going to going to be why we turn to God in prayer. But even in those moments where we're turning to God because of a, a dire circumstance or deep need, we can always begin our prayers with praise. And so here's what happens when we do that, or at least what I have experienced in my life. When we begin our prayers with praise, what we do is we start with the truth of who God is, and then we can filter our circumstances through that truth. And and when we do that, our perspective changes and the burdens are released because we, we we're reminded of that God is all powerful. We're reminded that God is good and that his loving kindness endures forever. We're reminded that he is in control of all things and that all things are from him and through him and to him. We're reminded that we can trust him in all things. And then we bring him our circumstances and when we do it maybe the other way and we begin with our circumstances, which listen, sometimes that's what we, I mean, it, you're not going to have, you're, you're just going to have to cast your care on the Lord. So I'm not saying that you're doing it wrong if that's what you do, but this process, when we begin with our circumstances, sometimes we are inclined to filter what we think about God through what we see happening in our circumstances. Because our eyes are fixed on what we can see and we know that we are limited in what we can see. And so I have just found that that flip of starting with God and then filtering my circumstances through who he is, is very powerful instead of starting with my circumstances. I love that. We are inclined to see God through our circumstances if we do it the other way. That just that's a really powerful visual for me. I, that's a I'm a visual person. So, I loved how you said that. Um, you know, so for the listeners who, you know, I love the title of your book that she smiles without fear. So, we've talked about how we are not going to let fear, you know, still our present. How then can we go even a step further to say, not only is are you fear not going to still my present joy um, about the future, I'm also going to smile and laugh when I think about the future. That's a big, that's a big jump, you know? So let's talk about that process a little bit, what that looks like. So it is. Um, and, and I think, you won't always smile. I mean, you just, there are going to be situations that will, it will be a moment by moment surrendering a mo and, and here's what 
honestly how I conclude the Bible study. I tell women that I cannot sit here and say to you now that I never fear the future. I do. I mean, come on, y'all look around. Like it, the fear doesn't go away, but what I have is I have these five steps. And what I, what happens is when, you know, when my head is on my pillow at night and all of these things are scrolling through my mind and, and on my heart, what I do is I start to review these things and I go, okay, what have I missed? Am I spending less time doing and more time being with Jesus? Am I pursuing love? Am I living faithful today? Am I, you know, have I exchanged the fear of the future for the fear of the Lord? Am I relying on my savior instead of myself? And I, what I can usually do is find a piece that I have neglected. And the thing about the smile is when your gaze is on Jesus, you will smile mm. because Jesus is not beautiful based on what is happening on earth. He is not perfect sometimes and not others. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the light of the world every moment of every day. He is beautiful and lovely and perfect and holy and everything we need. And so when we choose to fix our eyes on Him, we may not smile because what's happening in our present is lovely or what looms in the future is great. We, we may not smile because of that, but we can smile because we know Jesus and we know his love and we know that he is with us. And so it will, it may not be this permanent smile that everywhere we go, it's like Sesame street, right? <laughs> but it can be that quiet joy, that steadiness, even in the midst of chaos that honestly, we can't explain because it's not our doing anyway. It is the work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When your gaze is on Jesus, you will smile. I love that. And I love how I wish the listeners could see your face right now because your smile is organic. It's like, it's the Jesus smile, you know, like, honestly, like, I, like, I love that. And, and I've seen it on other people, too, where, like you said, you go, how is that person smiling? I've even seen people smile through really hard situations. And it's like you said, it's their eyes are focused on Jesus. It doesn't take away their circumstances. It doesn't take away all the things. But man, it sure makes life much easier. And that joy of the Lord, that's our strength, right? In those hard times. Well, um, Katie, I have so appreciated how vulnerable you've been in this conversation, but also practical. Um, where can people get their hands on this Bible study? So it's called She Smiles Without Fear, Proverbs 31 for every woman. And really, you can get it probably in your favorite place to buy books. So it's on Amazon, Christian Book, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart. And it's in the Proverbs 31 bookstore. So you can um, just wherever you are used to shopping or finding your books, it should be there. Perfect. And where can they connect with you online? I would love, I actually have a free resource, seven prayers to help you smile without fear. And so um, if you go to katiemccown.com, which is K-A-T-Y-M-C-C-O-W-N.com, you can get that free resource and then find out about the other things that we have going on over there. 
Perfect. And again, all those links will be in today's show notes so you guys can grab everything there. Well, Katie, thank you again for taking time to come on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been a wonderful time talking with you. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. Today, we discussed one of my favorite topics, and that is overcoming fear. And, you know, I continue to be challenged in this area, but thankfully, I have a system in place that helps me take action when I feel stuck. So to go through today's exercise, please go to rachelgilbert.com forward slash overcome fear and download that free guide. Now, you're going to see in that guide, there's three action steps. And of course, I know many of you listening right now don't have that in front of you. So I'm going to tell you what the three action steps are. The first thing is to write it out. The second thing is to walk it out. And the third thing is to go to war. Now, I'm not going to take the time today to go through all three of those steps, but I am going to just walk you through what that first section, write it out, looks like. Now, here's the, here's the goal for today's exercise, and there, this is a little bit of homework for you when you get off of this podcast, but you know what? I'm a big fan in therapy. I, I always ask my clients permission to give them homework because I notice some people, I, they're, they're like, oh, great, I don't want one more thing to do. But instead of calling it homework with my clients, and I'm going to do this with you today as well, I want you to use this as a tool. You know, the cool thing about tools is they're in your toolbox. That that means there's no pressure to use the tools. There's no, you know, golden stars being handed out if you use the tool. But if you're in a situation and you know you need a tool, you can go to the toolbox, you can pull it out, and you can use it. That's my hope and prayer for this podcast is that I give you a lot of tools and resources that you can, you know, today you might go, hmm. Don't really need this tool today. But guess what? Next week, you might need this tool. So let's just consider this one more tool that you're adding to your toolbox. So here's how the write it out section goes. I would love for you to set a timer for maybe five to 10 minutes or so. I I want there to, it's important that there's a timer and here's why. I'm giving you permission to brain dump every single fear that comes to mind of what could possibly go wrong. And again, um, I, I like to be very focused on this. So instead of just saying, oh, I'm afraid of all the all the things you've ever been afraid of, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, for example, you know, if you really would like to pursue a certain uh, career or you'd like to start something or do something that's outside your comfort zone. But of course, there's always fears that go with that. Anytime I start something new, there's fears surrounding that. What What if I make a fool of myself? What if nobody likes it? What if things go wrong? I mean, I've even had to overcome all kinds of fears just to start this podcast and to keep it going because there's still times where fears creep in and start kind of bossing me around and I have to take a time out and go, uh-oh, I need to address these fears so they don't have a hold on me. So you're going to think about the one thing that your goal is, and then you're going to brain dump all the fears that come to mind. Now, it's really important that you set a timer on this because I don't want you thinking all day long about your fears. (laughs) If you put a timer on writing down fears, then it's like it's in its little box, you know? So it's like we're giving ourselves permission to let these things out, but not in a way where it's going to just take over our day and take over our life. Now, once you've written some fears down, I want you just to take a look at them and ask yourself some things. Like if every single one of them were to come to pass, 
Would you live to tell the story? My guess is yes, unless, of course, your dream is to jump from an airplane with no parachute. You know, there is such thing as healthy God-given fear that protects us from irrational decisions, right? But most of our fears, if they came to pass, you would still live to tell the story. If, you know, again, back to me starting this podcast, I had fears over or surrounding it. And, and, you know, I knew at the end of the day, the worst thing that can happen is that nobody listens or maybe the people who do listen absolutely hate it. And they send me mean messages about how horrible and lame I am, which has not happened, by the way. But let's just be real here. If that had happened, would it have really sucked and been something I wouldn't have wanted to walk through? Absolutely. Would I have cried about it? Absolutely. But would I still be here today? Yes, I would be. And so I love to look fear in the face and see what's the worst thing that can happen. Because, you know, fear gets such a hold on us mainly because of the unknown. And so when there's so much unknown surrounding something, it absolutely paralyzes us. Now, here's the really important part, though. After you brain dump those fears and you look at it and you go, okay, yeah, I would live to tell the story even if it came to pass. Here's the, the powerful part, though. You need to get into God's word and find a truth for each of those fears and replace them. I even recommend crossing out that fear with a permanent marker and replace it with the truth from God's word. Now, after you're done with this fear dump, I really want to encourage you to either tear up your paper. If you have a shredder, this is actually a really good therapeutic activity, by the way. If you ever journal something and you're like, eek, I don't ever want anybody to see this. It's really powerful to send it through a shredder for multiple reasons. One, confidentiality. Now nobody can read what you wrote. But two, it's therapeutic to see like, oh, all those lies and those fears and that junk just getting demolished. I think it's really powerful. So you could do that. You could even choose to burn the paper if you're in a safe space. Whatever floats your boat in that way. Okay, so today's action steps. First of all, download that free guide at rachelgilbert.com forward slash overcome fear. Like I said, it's going to walk you through all of this. And then your second action step, do at least one of those three steps that are in the guide. And be sure to tag me on social media so I can see your work. Okay, well, this concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. And I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.